This is Focus on God's Word with Pastor Danny Milenkov. Welcome again to our audience here, as well as to those who are watching around the world, wherever you may be, a big warm welcome to you and looking forward to this second presentation in this series, End Time, Love and Loyalty. And today's message is entitled, Lest We Forget, a very important message that continues on from where we were at our previous time together when we looked at God's awesome plan uh, for our, our happiness and our peace. As I pointed out, the message is entitled, Lest We Forget. And these are familiar words. These three words are very familiar to those who are living in Australia and New Zealand. Every year on April 25, we celebrate what we refer to as Anzac Day here in Australia and New Zealand. Australians and New Zealanders, they came together during World War One and forged a, a partnership in order to do battle, in order to provide for the safety, the security and the freedoms that we have here in Australia and New Zealand. And so wherever you go in Australia, there are memorials that are established. This memorial here is a, at a RSL club or a Returned and Services League club uh, for past and, and present armed force men and women. And we have, we have these memorials with these words, lest we forget, lest we forget. We pause every year on April 25 to remember those that have gone before us. This year I had the opportunity, uh, here is one, um, a, a memorial uh, there in Mullumbimby, up in northern New South Wales, lest we forget on that memorial. And as you can see, the sign there, sacred, war memorial, please keep off. So everything associated with April 25 is, is, is very precious to Australians and New Zealanders in particular as well as to many others um, within the South Pacific region who joined the Australian and New Zealand armed forces um, in the battle during World War I in particular. This year, I had the opportunity of going to Anzac Cove there in Turkey, uh, where, where the soldiers on April 25, 1915, Australians and New Zealanders and others came ashore and, and fought for that piece of territory against uh, the Turkish soldiers. And here is a memorial that I found while I was over there, uh, a commemorative uh, memorial from the year 2000, April 25, uh, when the Prime Minister, the then Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard, as well as uh, the Prime Minister of the time of New Zealand, Helen Clark, came together and uh, along with uh, Turkish dignitaries uh, that were there to pay respect to the soldiers that had passed away at that place. As I stood there on Anzac Cove, uh, the place where those soldiers came aboard, I, I thought of the many men who came upon those shores. As you, as you go through and, and as you take a look at what is there in that place, you'll come across these grave sites. You'll come across some of the graves of some of the soldiers. And, and I took a look at a few and here are just a few to show you. This one in particular is of a, a young man aged 18 who lost his life there on the battlefield. Uh, a private Burton, uh, the words below, only a boy, but died as a man for liberty and freedom, his mum and dad. And here is another one from 
a 16-year-old teenager who lost his life there at Gallipoli, um, Private O'Donnell. And you may not be able to see the words really well, but they simply read down below, he sleeps where Anzac heroes came to do and die. So as far as Australians are concerned, Anzac Day and Anzac Cove and Gallipoli is very much part and parcel of our history. Not that we're glorifying war. I would never do that, not even for one moment. There is nothing, there is nothing more horrendous in this world than war and conflict and, and the resulting pain and suffering and death. Uh, but this is something very significant to Australians when we pause and we have uh, a day that we commemorate each year. These are some of the barracks uh, or the foxholes, uh, as they were also known back then, um, that I observed. And it was a very sober, a very surreal experience being there at uh, Gallipoli uh, for me this year. This is a memorial. Uh, that has been stab established there with the, with the various names of the soldiers ingrained in stone. And uh, the title on this memorial, their name liveth forevermore. I am proud to be an Australian, very proud to be an Australian. I am blessed to be an Australian. My parents left their homeland of Macedonia and uh, three months pregnant. My mother jumped on a boat and a month later, an Italian boat, a month later, along with my dad, they landed in Melbourne. And so I was born in, in Footscray, there in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And I have been blessed for these past 48 years to live in this wonderful country of Australia. And so I'm, I'm proud and honoured and thankful to God that I grew up in this wonderful country where we have such freedom, such liberties, such opportunities um, to, to, to make so much of our lives. In comparison to where I would have grown up in Macedonia, a far cry to the blessings and the, the wonderful privileges that we have here in this country. Anzac Day, a very special day for Australians and New Zealanders where we are reminded, lest we forget, are the words that are repeated over and over again on April 25, lest we forget the sacrifice uh, that was put in place so that we may enjoy freedoms that we enjoy today. Well, when it, comes to, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to gifts, when it comes to love, when it comes to loyalty, uh, today we want to take a look at uh, two incredible gifts that God has given the human race from the beginning of time, gifts of love to bless all of humanity for all of human history, straight from the Garden of Eden. We're going to begin with prayer before we unpack one, and then especially the other one of these gifts. And we're going to ask God to bless our time together in his word. So before we open his word, let's pause and let's pray one more time. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can come before you. And as we are about to unpack your holy word now and, and discover uh, these two wonderful gifts, in particular, this one wonderful gift that most of humanity has forgotten, we ask and pray that you will bless our time together in your word. As we open your word, open our hearts and our minds, that we may be receptive to what your Holy Spirit wants to share with us this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, as I pointed out, uh, God gave two precious gifts to the human race at the beginning of time. The first gift from the Garden of Eden was the gift of marriage and the family. What a wonderful gift that is. What a wonderful gift that is. Notice what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. We read these words. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So right at the beginning of time, God created the gift and the, and the institution of marriage. That's where marriage comes from. It comes from the Garden of Eden. And as we have just read, it was designed to be a blessing to humanity for all time. Not just marriage, but God also created the opportunity for you and I to procreate in His image and to have children and to have families and to be blessed um, through that. I'll never forget the day when I got married uh, many moons ago, almost 25 years ago, um, I got married back on January 1, 1995. Now, who gets married on January 1, New Year's Day? You know who? Those who have a bad memory. I have a bad memory. Trust me on that one. I forgot my wife's birthday once and I learned a valuable lesson. And this is a valuable lesson to whoever you, to wherever you may be. The best way to remember your wife's birthday is to forget it once. You'll never forget it again. Well, it's not entirely my fault that I forgot my wife's birthday because she is born on December 23, two days before Christmas. What was she thinking? What was she thinking? What hope do I have? Anyway, I forgot it once and I haven't forgotten it since. Anyway, this was a wonderful day. January 1, 1995. We'd known each other for about 12 months. And finally, the day had arrived. And here I am staring down the aisle as you do. And here she is coming down the aisle, um, walking with her father. And here she is handed over to me. And now she is in my possession and I'm not letting her go. Amen. I'm not letting her go anytime soon. And here we are, we're standing at the altar and here we are um, exchanging vows and exchanging rings. And, and it didn't happen that quick. It didn't happen that quick on the day. <laughs> and here we are with our wedding certificate, all smiles and ready to face the challenges of marriage. <laughs> And have we faced them? By the grace of God, we have for almost 25 years. And, um, and, it's, and it's wonderful. And here we are. Here's uh, another photo of, of us there. And it was such a special and such a precious day. And then a couple of years later, the Lord blessed us. Well, he did say be fruitful and multiply, didn't he? He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So our, our fruitfulness began two years later when our firstborn, Jamie Lee, was born and she was such a blessing. And here she is sleeping in her little cot. She used to love having her feet outside the cot. That was one of her favorite pastimes. And she was good while she was asleep and her feet were at the cot. I didn't actually mind where her feet were as long as she was asleep. Because on other occasions, this is what it looked like. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? A screaming baby, 3 a.m., not much fun. But we survived, and I'm here to tell the story. 
marriage and family. Uh, it's such a blessing. It's such a wonderful blessing that God gave to us from the Garden of Eden. This is his first gift. And, and by and large, all of humanity for the last 6,000 years of human history have been blessed and partaken of the gift of marriage and the family. Isn't that right? Our entire world society has been built on marriage and the family. And so we thank God as a human race collectively for this wonderful gift. However, however, there is a second gift from the Garden of Eden that God gave to the human race that sadly today has been forgotten by the vast majority of earth's inhabitants. Hence, I have entitled this message, Lest We Forget, Lest We Forget the Second Blessing from the Garden of Eden. So let's go back to the Garden of Eden. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them to, to live in perfect harmony with one another, to live in perfect harmony with, with God as their creator, the one who created them in his own image, to live in perfect harmony with the, with the animal kingdom and with all of nature. And there was just complete harmony that they enjoyed. And the Bible describes what God said at the end of the six days of creation. Notice what we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was what? Very good. Up until this point in the story of creation, after each day when God finishes creating, God says, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. Six times. God repeats that phrase, it is good. And then at the end of the sixth day, after God had created Adam and, and kept the best till last by creating the woman Eve, and all the men said, Amen. <laughs> then God said, Behold, it is very good. Very, very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, we know that we don't have six days in a week. Isn't that right? How many days are in a week? Seven. There are seven days in a week. So if God had created everything in six days and he said it was very good, well, then what took place on the seventh day? Let's keep reading. Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 completes the end of creation. Uh, uh, those six days with these words, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. What would God erect as an eternal memorial of his creative work? Okay, God had finished creating the world. And as you and I know, that when an artist finishes creating his masterpiece, what does he do? What's the final act? He signs off. He signs off. So we know who is the architect who is the, the, the master artist behind this magnificent piece of art, they sign their name at the bottom of that piece of art to make it plain and obvious to all who will come afterward who is the one, who, who is the, the orchestrator behind this beautiful piece of art. So how was God going to sign off? How was he going to place his signature on this world, that this world didn't come from evolution, that this world didn't come by chance. 
that this world come came by divine plan and 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 divine creation by a divine and loving God. How would God do that? Would he create a monument? Would he would he create another big tree? What would God do? Instead of creating something, God decided to create time and space. Let's notice what we read in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Here we are told that God blessed the seventh day, just like God blessed Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So too God blessed the seventh day. And the Bible says God sanctified that day. Now, what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart for holy use. This is not a common day like any other day of the week. The, the seventh day, according to what we have read, according to what God himself said, was to be set apart for holy use. Just like marriage is set apart for holy use. Isn't that right? We refer to marriage often as holy what? Matrimony or, or the sacred vows of marriage. Uh, the scriptures, they are holy. Uh, the Bible says that our body temples are holy. The Bible refers to holiness as something that has been set apart by God for special use. The holy place, the most holy place of the sanctuary was special because that is where God resides. And so where God resides, that that is especially connected with God and the work of God, God says that is holy, that is special, that is sacred, that has been set apart as a special blessing. Now, the Bible says that God rested. God rested. Now, does God need to rest? What do you think? Does God need to rest? Does he rest because he is tired? Does, was God tired after six days of work that he needed to rest? Notice what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. That's what we've been looking at. Neither faints nor is what? Near nor is weary. God didn't rest because he was tired. Maybe Adam and Eve needed to rest. Maybe they were tired. Maybe they had had a hard week. <laughs> Hardly. What day were they created? They were created on the sixth day. They didn't need to rest either. They hadn't done any work. Why did God rest? That word there, rest, is the word Shabbat. It's where we get the word Sabbath from. Shabbat, which means to stop, to cease, or to rest. It means to Exhale. It's like when you've, you, you've been working hard or you've been uh, doing some serious exercise and you stop and you take a deep breath. <sighs> Have you ever done that? Does it feel good? Does it feel good? Yeah, many times. It feels good, doesn't it? it just to stop and to... <sighs> and when God stopped and he said... I can just imagine him looking out of all of creation and saying, wow, this is so very good. So very good. I want 
to bless the human race, to never forget where they came from, to never forget that I am the God that wants to bless them in every sense. And I am going to give them a day, a wonderful day when they can spend time with me and celebrate me as their loving creator God. You see, God knew that that which is most precious in developing human to human relationships and God to human relationships is a word beginning with T with four letters. Can anyone guess? Time, time. Building healthy relationships require time. God didn't set aside an hour every week. He didn't set aside two hours every week. God gave the human race 24 hours to spend with one another. 24 hours with one another as God's children, 24 hours with God as our ultimate God. What a blessing. What a blessing. In fact, that word there, blessed, when you read that word blessed for the Hebrew, when the Hebrew hears the word blessed and it's coming from God's lips, the Hebrew mind, the Hebrew thinking is, and he knows and she knows that when God blesses, he blesses holistically. Now, what do I mean by holistically? You and I are created holistic beings in the image of God. We are created to function optimally, physically, emotionally, slash mentally, spiritually, and socially. Those four dimensions and so when God blesses us, he blesses us in all four of those dimensions. So when we take a look at the Sabbath and when God blessed this day and gave it as a gift to the whole human race, he wants us to enjoy holistic health and well-being with one another, with God, health wise, physically and also mentally and emotionally. Does that make sense? Yes or no? That is the blessing associated with this precious day. I could spend a lot more time unpacking the holistic blessing that God has. And we're going to do that in an upcoming, in an upcoming um, program where we're going to talk about health and well-being. So stay tuned for that. As we continue, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. If there is something we desperately need today in our world, and that is rest. Isn't that right? We desperately need rest. Uh, families today are struggling. Marriages are struggling. Children are struggling to connect with parents. Uh, there, there, there are struggles between friends. There are struggles to connect with God. And God is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity to come to me and to find rest, to find that to find that holistic rest that we can only find in Jesus Christ. I find it interesting when I take a look at the Ten Commandments. There are two commandments in the very center of God's law that stand out from all the other commandments. Have you noticed? Eight of the Ten Commandments begin with, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Eight of them. But there are two that don't begin with thou shalt not. The fourth commandment begins with the word remember. <laughs> remember. 
the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why did God say remember? Could it be lest we forget his blessing that he gave us at the beginning of time to bless us? Could it be God said, remember back to your creator? Let's read the passage. In Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and did what? And hallowed it, set it apart for holy use. So here in the Ten Commandments, God in the very center of his law, he placed that Sabbath blessing that he gave to the entire human race at the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. God is saying, remember when I gave it to you at the very beginning of time, when I created this world. It's to continue to be a blessing to you. I shared that there are two commandments that stand out from the rest. This is the first one, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The second one is commandment number five, honor thy mother and thy father. Two commandments that come to us directly from the Garden of Eden. You think about it. Where does marriage and the family come from? From the Garden of Eden. Isn't that right? And what's the fifth commandment? The fifth commandment is all about honoring marriage and the family. Honor your mother and your father. The fourth commandment, it comes to us from the Garden of Eden. Remember your Lord. And where you came from each and every day. And so marriage and the Sabbath, marriage and the family and the Sabbath, they work together. They go hand in hand like a hand in a glove. That was right. Yeah, like a like a hand in a glove. And guess what the enemy is seeking to destroy above all? He's seeking to destroy both these institutions that God gave to the human race from the Garden of Eden. Marriage in the family, and I don't, need to, I don't need to convince you of that. And this one day in the week that connects us with one another and connects us with God and enables us to recognize who it is that we worship, our creator and loving God who made us in his image. Very, very powerful. Let's continue. We discover... The question before us, when does the Sabbath begin and when does it end? Notice what we read in Scripture. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 32. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. From evening to evening, you shall celebrate your Sabbath. God has thought of everything. They didn't have watches back then. Adam and Eve didn't have a watch. Children of Israel didn't have a watch. People haven't had a watch for almost 6,000 years. That's only a recent phenomenon, isn't that right? They certainly didn't have an eye watch, did they? <laughs> God said the Sabbath will begin on Friday night when the sun sets. And the Sabbath will end on Saturday night when the sun sets once again. You don't need a watch to know when the Sabbath begins. You just need to have your eyes open. You need to be able to see 
when the sun is setting, that's when the Sabbath is beginning. And when the sun is setting, that is when the, and that is when the, the Sabbath is ending. Without God's creation week, we would not have a seven-day week. There's no reason for a seven-day week. There's no planetary reason. There's no reason based on our solar system, based on, 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 on the laws of the solar system. There's a reason why we have a month, isn't that right? Due to the moon going around the earth once every 28 and a bit days. There's a reason why we have a day, a 24-hour day. It's because the earth rotates on its axis once every 24 hours. There's a reason why we have a year. It's because the earth rotates around the sun once every 365 and a quarter days. But is there a reason based on the planetary cycles that we have a seven-day week? No, there isn't. The only reason that we have for it is that God gave it to us so that each and every Sabbath day we would remember him as our creator God. That is the reason why God has given us this wonderful blessing. And it comes to us from the Garden of Eden. A few years ago, including this year, it was my second trip to Israel, had the opportunity of going to one of my favorite, if not my favorite city in the world, Jerusalem. I love the old city of Jerusalem. And as I walked into the old city, you walk in through those old gates, um, hundreds of years old. The city's been rebuilt a number of times. Um, I had the opportunity to, to go to what is referred to as the Western Wall. Some, some refer to it as the Wailing Wall uh, there in Jerusalem where Orthodox Jews come and they pray and they seek the Lord and they come and they fellowship. And I had the opportunity of being there on a Friday evening as the Sabbath was beginning. And boy, oh boy, were there celebrations, great celebrations, singing and, um, and dancing and, and sharing scripture and just wel welcoming the Sabbath day. And here we have uh, a photo that I took of these fancy dancy hats that these uh, Jewish men wear. Uh, very expensive hats. Someone told me that some of the hats are like $2,000. Very expensive. And so they put on these hats specifically for Sabbath, Shabbat, um, as the Hebrews would say. And they say to one another as they greet one another in the streets. And I had the opportunity to greet a number of them. And they looked at me because I didn't have a, my little um, uh, Hebrew skull cap. I didn't have that on. And so they were really surprised when I greeted them with Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, that's Sabbath peace. Sabbath peace. And the peace is once again that holistic peace. It's that holistic blessing that they are, are wanting for one another. Sabbath peace, Sabbath blessing. And so that was a wonderful blessing. And there are many today, sadly, that believe that the Sabbath is only for the Jewish people. They understand the Jews worship each and every Sabbath. They keep the Sabbath and they keep it very stringently, many of them. And they ask the question, well, isn't the Sabbath day only for Jews? Only for Jews? Well, we've discovered that well and truly before there was a Jew on planet Earth and Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. Well, before Abraham, 
who was around 4,000 years ago, the Sabbath existed some 2,000 years prior to that in the Garden of Eden. There were no Jews in the Garden of Eden the last time I checked. And Jesus made that absolutely plain and obvious. Notice these words from Jesus. In Matthew chapter, sorry, in Mark chapter 2 and verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, The Sabbath was made for who? Made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. That word there, man, I looked that word man up and the original word for man in the Greek, the, the, the language of the New Testament is anthropos. Anthropos. What word in English do we get from anthropos? Anthropology. And what's anthropology defined as? The study of human beings or the study of of humanity. That's anthropology. And so Jesus is saying that the Sabbath was made for humanity, not just the Jewish people. Why would God want to bless only one group of people on the planet? Does that sound like the God that you know? Certainly doesn't sound like the God that I know. The God that I know wants to bless all of humanity. In fact, If the Sabbath is only for Jews and that comes to us from the Garden of Eden, then we could logically conclude that marriage and the family is only for Jews. Because that too comes from the Garden of Eden. I don't know about you, but I want to hang on to marriage and the family. I'm enjoying marriage and the family. Thank you very much. I'm not giving that up anytime soon. These two institutions, as we have discovered, go hand in hand. Marriage and the family and the Sabbath. And God's aim is that through these two blessed institutions, we will not only draw closer to one another, but we will draw closer to God. And it's fascinating when you take a look at the Ten Commandments. We've discovered that there are two commandments that are different from the others. Isn't that right? Commandment number one. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And commandment number five, honor thy mother and thy father. We are dealing with love and loyalty in this series. Isn't that right? Love and loyalty. They come together in these two precious commandments. In fact, I need to give credit to a a person that works at 3ABN called Rosemary for this little insight she shared with me once upon a time that the words Lord thy God appear in the first four commandments and of the six they only appear in commandment number five. Lord thy God. It's as if God is connecting marriage and the family with the other four commandments that specifically speak of him. Because God knows that the only way marriage and family will prosper in that holistic sense is if we include the Lord thy God in the family unit. And the main reason, and I make no apologies for saying this, the main reason why families are fragmented today, why society is falling apart today, is because society and families, mothers and fathers, have sadly turned their backs on the Lord their God, who wants to bless them, who wants to prosper them. And we are suffering the consequences. If only, if only we took the time 
to read and to follow the instructions that God has given us in this book. If only things would be very different, very, very different in our homes, in society and in the world at large. Jesus was asked on one occasion uh, regarding his Sabbath keeping practices. Well, he was more than just asked. He was he was accused of being a Sabbath breaker. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 12, Jesus said, it is lawful to do what? To do good on the Sabbath. Uh, In the New Testament, we discover on seven occasions, Jesus healed individuals on the Sabbath. There are seven Sabbath miracles where Jesus healed. Sabbath, sorry, seven is God's perfect number. It's the number of completeness, seven days in a week. It's wholeness, completeness, fullness. What Jesus was trying to tell us was that the Sabbath is a day to continually do good, help people in need, go and visit someone who is sick. And we have the time. We have the time. We don't need to work. We don't need to work. We don't need to be out shopping. We can be out visiting the sick. We can be praying for people. We can be encouraging people. We can be worshiping God, our Lord and our Savior. I want to share with you six points of what the Sabbath reminds me of. Firstly, the Sabbath reminds me that God is my creator. That I came into existence from a loving creator God. I have meaning. I have purpose. The second reason for the Sabbath for me is that God wants to have an intimate relationship with me. God loves me that much that he set aside time every week, every week. Not once a year like my anniversary. Not once a year like my birthday. Not once a year like Anzac Day. But every week, he loves me so much, he wants to spend a whole day with me every week and bless me in a very special way. Thirdly, Sabbath reminds me that God is my saviour. Notice these words from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Before God gives his Ten Commandments to his people, the first thing he says, I've brought you out of bondage, I've brought you out of slavery. The Sabbath reminds me that through Christ, I have been forgiven. Through Christ, I have been set free from the burden of sin. That through Christ, I am no longer a slave to guilt and sin and Satan. I have been set free from the bondage that I have been under by grace, through faith, as a gift from God. Notice these words in Deuteronomy chapter 5, where Moses here gives a different context for the Sabbath. Powerful words from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 and 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you, speaking directly to the children of Israel. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So not only is the Sabbath a reminder that we have been created by a loving God, but it's a reminder that we have been saved by a loving God. The Sabbath fulfills both of these precious blessings that come directly from God. He is our creator as well as our savior. 
Fourthly, the Sabbath reminds me that I belong to God. In the Western world in particular, in many cultures, when two people at the altar choose to live with one another for the rest of their lives, through sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, for richer and for poorer, until what? Until death do us part, they give one another what? They give one another wedding rings, don't they? It's an outward sign, an outward sign that they belong to one another for everyone to see. My wife wears her wedding ring. I lost mine. That's another story for another day. (laughs) My wife wears her wedding ring as a reminder to everyone that she is off limits. She doesn't, she belongs to someone. She's already taking She's already been taken care of. It's fascinating that God says, my Sabbath will be a reminder that you belong to me. Notice these words. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a what? A sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The Sabbath is an outward sign between God and his people that he sets them apart as holy, as belonging to him. Number five, the Sabbath reminds me that my allegiance is to God. Let's notice these words again from Genesis chapter two, verse three, where the Bible says, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. There are three things that God did on the Sabbath day that he did not do on any one of the other six days. God blessed this day, unlike any of the other six days. God sanctified it, as we've discovered, set it apart for holy use. It's not an ordinary day. It's holy. It belongs to God. And he gives it to us as a gift, as a holy gift. And he rested from all of his work. Let me illustrate how this is so significant. Let me illustrate. Imagine with me, and I'll come and just take some material with me. Imagine with me, I was a, I was a mechanic a motor mechanic, a backyard mechanic, and I was working on my car. And uh, one day um, I'm working on my car and I'm using this white rag, finish working with it until it's all, all oily and just dirty and I'm done with it. So I put that in my box of old rags and I pick up another one and I keep working. I pick up this blue rag and I'm working away using it until... It's no longer any use to me. There's just oil everywhere and it's, it's no good. And then I put that in my box of old rags. I pull out another rag, a red one this time. And I use that until it comes to the point where it's past its use-by date. Then I take these three rags and um, I decide I'm going to have a big fire, burn a whole bunch of rubbish, and I take these three old rags and I throw them in the fire and I burn them. Would you have a problem with that? No. No, I wouldn't have a problem with it. They're just three old oily rags. Who cares? Who cares? Imagine with me now. I have these three different bits of material. Call them rags, call them material. And I decide now to take these three bits of material, red, white, and blue, 
and I decide to make this. I decide to make this out of those three different materials, an Australian flag. Now, imagine with me, I took this and I also burnt this with the rest of my rubbish in the backyard. Would you have a problem with that? I would. I would have a huge problem with that. Not only is it illegal and you can be fined, and rightly so, but what you are doing is you are desecrating a symbol, an outward symbol that represents the nation that you belong to. The land that you are privileged to live in. And trust me, I've been to many parts of the world. Australia is a blessed nation. New Zealand is a close second, a very close second. I've lived there for six years also. The Sabbath is different from all the other days of the week because on that day, God invested his blessing. He invested his divine rest and he invested his holiness into that day. Can you see that it is different? It is very different. The Sabbath reminds me that I have been set apart by God for holy use. And finally, the Sabbath reminds me that God will take care of me. If you go home and you read the story there in Exodus chapter 16, you'll discover that God fed the children of Israel as he took them out of Egypt and um, they were in the wilderness. They were fed by God for 40 years with manna from heaven. And the manna fell every six days. It fell for six days straight. And guess what? It didn't fall on Sabbath. On Sabbath, there was no manna from heaven. So what were they going to eat on Sabbath? They were going to collect twice as much on Friday. Every other day, if they kept the manna for the next day, it would go off. There'd be worms. It would not be fit for human consumption. But on Sabbath, that manna tasted just as sweet. And I like to think even sweeter, even sweeter than it tasted on Friday when they first ate it. For 40 years, God reminded the children of Israel that I will take care of you. Now, there may be some here, there may be some who are watching, who are wondering, how on earth can I keep the Sabbath? I'll need to let go of my job. I'll get the sack. My boss will just sack me and say, too bad, so sad. Plenty more out there that I can hire if you don't want to work on, on the seventh day Sabbath in order to honor your God. You'll have to find somewhere else to work and there may not be much work. My friend, wherever you are, I want to encourage you. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. He will not let you go. If you put your faith and trust in him, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. What did Jesus do? Let's ask the question. What did Jesus do? Notice what the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Jesus went to church on Sabbath. He went to church. It wasn't just Jesus. If we continue to read, uh, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, he describes 
his custom. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures. All the way through the New Testament, God's holy Sabbath day is observed by His faithful, commandment-keeping people. All through the New Testament. All through the New Testament. You may be thinking, well, why do most people worship on the first day of the week? Well, you'll have to come back for our next presentation and we're going to deal with that then. <laughs> but I want to take a look at this incredible promise in Hebrews chapter 4. Notice what we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 and 9. This is in the New Testament. And I believe this is the Apostle Paul who wrote this, these words and many others do too. For he, speaking of God, has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of who? For the people of God. This is New Testament. And I looked up that word remains. And in the original, that word remains is in the continuous tense. Do you know what the word continuous tense means? It means that it's continuous. <laughs> it's forever. It remains forever and ever and ever and ever. The Sabbath is God's rest to the human race for all of eternity. And we'll discover what the Bible has to say about that in just a moment. Let's notice what we read in the book of Revelation. By the way, Revelation, Revelation was a book that God gave to John the Revelator, he says, on the Lord's day. On what day? On the Lord's day. And according to Jesus, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So John received the book of Revelation, which is a book focused on worship, on the day of worship, the seventh day Sabbath. That's just a powerful thought. But notice what we find once again in the three angels' messages, Revelation 14 verse 7. We've been there before. We'll go there again, saying with a loud voice, that megaphone voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And notice these words now and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. There's a call to the entire human race. This message is not to be shared in a in a section over here or in a corner over there. This message is to go to the whole world. We discovered that in our previous presentation, Revelation 14, 6. It says very clearly, this is the everlasting gospel that needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue and people. And the message is worship him. I find it fascinating that in light of the words worship him who made heaven and earth. At the very end of time, we have the genesis, the beginnings of the modern day atheistic, the modern day evolutionary philosophy and way of thinking and way of teaching through Charles Darwin, the pioneer, the father of, of the evolutionary model of creation and how we came to be. It's fascinating to me that we are living in a day and age when evolution seems to be the flavor of the month, certainly in our higher education institutions. And God is calling us, God is calling the world to worship the creator God that we came about through divine creation. We came about from a, a loving God who loved us, who created us in his image. 
Darwinism. Evolution is the complete opposite. That you came to be by chance. That you don't have a purpose. You certainly don't have any future because there is no future. You're here for a moment and you're gone the next. Make the most of it. You have only one life. Live life now because you don't have any more. There is no God. There is no creator. There is no future. And at a time in earth's history when we desperately needed to go back to our creator, God gave a message. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Notice these scriptures where, where John is quoting from in Revelation 14, 7. He's quoting from Revelation uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 and 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that in, is in them. So here we have, once again, the call back to creation. The call to honor God and remember the Sabbath day straight out of the fourth commandment. Well, I want to share with you once again, God's end time people in Revelation 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I want to share with you this interesting um, outline of the Sabbath. The Bible and the Sabbath. Notice in the beginning, God created the day. He gave it to the human race at Mount Sinai. God commanded it by saying, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In his life, Jesus worshipped on it. In his death, Jesus observed it. Now, we haven't looked at that. Let me just touch on that just for a moment. On what day did Jesus die? Friday. Friday. It was Friday afternoon, the Bible says, at 3 p.m. that Jesus breathed his last and he died. What were the final words of Jesus before he died? He cried out, it is finished. And he died. And he rested in the grave during the Sabbath. And when did he rise again? On the first day of the week <laughs> to continue his work of redemption, to continue his work of reconciling us to God. What did Jesus say? What did the Creator say? And God created through his Son, Jesus Christ, according to John 1 and according to Hebrews 1 and according to Colossians 1. What did the Creator say at the end of the creation week? finished it is finished and it was all very very good isn't that powerful jesus rested after creation he rested after he brought us back the new testament church continued to observe it god's last day people will keep it according to the book of revelation and the sabbath will remain forever and ever how do we know that notice what we read in isaiah Chapter 66, verses 22 and 23. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Isn't that a powerful promise? Isn't that a powerful promise? We will continue to worship our Creator and our Savior every seventh day Sabbath. All flesh, that's what the Bible says. All flesh will come before God and worship Him from one Sabbath to another, recognizing that we are only there because of His creative power and His redemptive power. And every Sabbath, we are reminded that we belong to a God who created us 
and a God who redeemed us. So Jesus says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Once again, it boils down to love and loyalty, love and loyalty. And why wouldn't you want to enter into the blessing that God has in store for you? If God says, I'm going to bless you, guess where I'm going to be in the queue? I'm going to be right at the front of the queue. I want to receive God's blessings. And he wants to bless me and he wants to bless you. I want to encourage you to enter into the rest that Jesus offers, to enter into the Sabbath rest and be blessed. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your blessings. We ask and pray that you will continually pour out your blessing, your Sabbath blessing upon us. Thank you for marriage and the family. Thank you for the Sabbath. Thank you for how these two divine institutions work together in order to bless us this day and forevermore. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to Focus on God's Word with Pastor Danny Milenkov, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. If you have any comments or questions, send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au.